Uh oh. I want to continue our sermon series this morning with regard to the topic in the fire. Now, those of you who were with us last week, I'm going to do just a quick recap here so that everyone can catch up who might not have been here. But we understood that several things, three things pointed out to us last week with regard to our message. One, number one was uh, see it coming. Okay, We're talking about our problems, our tribulations, our difficulties, uh, the things that weigh us down, the things that really kind of build those walls up in our life that keep us from God sometimes. And we were talking about that we need to see it coming. We talked about Paul where he was on the ship and about the shipwreck that was about to happen. But we understood that in this story that Jesus, the angel of the Lord, had already come to him, gave him a warning, let him know what was about to happen. And the reason that we can understand that Paul had a little bit of an understanding of what was about to happen was because Paul had a very dedicated personal life to God. He had a very dedicated personal life to the reading of the scriptures. He had a very dedicated personal life uh, to allowing himself to be surrounded with fellowship of like-minded believers. So Paul was very dedicated. Because of Paul's dedication, it was as if he has a cheat sheet, okay, an understanding of the battles and the struggles that may be coming before it actually came. He had a, a sense. You know, sometimes when you go through life, you have an uneasiness at times before the struggle actually appears and becomes a reality in our life. Well, when we have this sense of knowing that a struggle is about to come, we can understand that that is not just your gut feeling. That is not just you thinking it. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So we understand, first of all, the first thing that we talked about last week was seeing it coming. Okay. Then the second thing we talked about last week was seeing it through. You know, when you're, when you're, you're being pushed and, and you're being pulled and you're being struggled and, and everything's coming and it's kind of collapsing in on you, not giving up. But instead what? Going after it, pursuing, going forward, not allowing yourself to become defeated. And then the last thing we talked about, you know, after his story and, and, and he, became, he got on land and, and the ship was fine, everyone was, was good, and, and, and a last bit of turmoil just when he thought he was out of the struggle came upon him. And the scripture tells us he just did one simple thing. He shook it off. He shook it off. You know, sometimes in life we need to be able to see it coming, okay? We always need to see it through. And when the struggle happens and life deals us that unfair hand, we need to shake it off. Well, this morning, I'm going to take it a step further with you, and we're going to talk about a problem called praise. Now, that doesn't make sense in my mind. How in the world could praise be a problem? Have you ever had something so powerful in your life? Um, I'll give you an example. I, two years ago, I bought a smart TV, all right? It's got all these apps on it, okay? It's got, all these, it's got games, I found out last week. All right. But if you ever have something that is powerful and that has a lot of features to it, if you don't know how to use it properly, guess what? You're not getting the most out of it. Right. OK. And I remember in, in, in a couple of weeks ago, I was going through the manual for the first time. I've had it for two years. All right. My wife was tired of the expensive uh, direct TV bill that we have. So she's like, you could stream TV, you know, on our, from the internet and all this. I, was, I don't know how to do it. So I'm sitting there, I'm reading through the book, and I found out I got games, I got weather, I got email, I got whole kind of stuff I can pull out through my TV, which is pretty cool. But 
until I actually got into the manual of it, until I became familiar with it, I had no idea the potential that was inside of it. Well, that kind of happens to us in life. Sometimes we don't understand the potential of things that we have in our life. We don't understand sometimes the potential that you have with God's given word each and every day for your life. Okay? Sometimes you don't realize the potential that there is through your daily prayer. You think you're going through repetition and you think you're going through the routine. But really what you're doing is you're drawing closer to God and you're petitioning your thoughts and your needs and your wants. And the things that you need God to deal with, you're giving them to God. So let me encourage you, your prayers are not going on heard. God hears every single one of them. So it's good when we have things that are powerful. It's even better if we know how to use those things. You see, praise is a state of mind, or the way I like to look at it, it is a way of life. As, as a Christian, the mere mention of Jesus should inside of you, inside of your gut, inside of your being, inside of your heart, excites you. As a follower of Christ, just the mention of Jesus, the Bible understand, we understand through the scriptures that the moment we even say Jesus into our situation, we're speaking against every temptation and devil and anything that could come against us. When we say Jesus, everything that's not of him must what? It must flee. It cannot take residence in your life. So we understand that there is something powerful when we just say the name of Jesus. When we're in that storm and we're in that difficulty, when, when things are thick and you're in the fire, you can sit there and be assured, my prayer is heard and I'm going to speak one name and one name only, the name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that name is Jesus. Now, I'm going to jump right into a passage of scripture this morning. And I ended uh, last week's message briefly talking about this story. And for several, several excuse me, some reason, uh, several messages ago, uh, I keep bringing up this same passage of scripture. Maybe because you're not getting it. I don't know. But, or maybe I'm not getting it. I don't know. But I'm going to bring it back up again. So go ahead and turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. If you have the U version, you can go to our, our, our events tab on there and you can pull up all of our scriptures. So go to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to give you just a few seconds here to get there. If you don't know where Acts is, look at the table of contents. Don't fake it and be in the book of Ruth right now. All right, some of you didn't get that. You'll get it later. All right, Acts chapter 16. We're going to start verse 25. Now, this is important, okay? You got, you got two guys here. We're going to jump a little bit. You got two guys that are finding themselves in a really bad, sticky situation, all right? Things aren't comfortable. Things aren't going as planned. You know, think about this for a second. Before we get right into the scripture, don't cheat. Don't start reading. Pay attention. But have, have you ever thought to yourself, you know what? I'm doing everything right. I'm praying the way I should be praying. I'm witnessing the way I should be witnessing. I'm, I'm, you know, reading God's word, the scriptures. I'm making them real in my life the way I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I mean, I'm even attending church. I'm even going to the Wednesday night Bible study. I'm even joining a life group. I've thought about joining a life group. Those are coming back in the fall, okay? That's a quick commercial for life groups, all right? But um, you're doing everything right, and it seems like everything wrong is kind of happening. 
Have you ever been there? Okay, three of you have. I'm going to say that again. Have you? Okay, let me ask you this again. Everything you're doing is right. All right? You're praying. You're reading. You're witnessing. You're attending church. You're doing the extracurricular functions that the church offers. All right? You're there. And everything seems to be going wrong. Has anybody ever been there? All right. Thank you. Three-fourths of you now are telling the truth. All right. So here we go. We'll jump right into the scriptures. Acts 16, verse 25 says this. About midnight. All right. We're going to stop there right away. Think about this for a moment. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly when these guys were arrested. All we know is that they were doing a great thing. They delivered this young lady out from, from the evil spirits, and the townspeople didn't like it, and they got arrested. They threw them in prison. We don't know when they were put into the prison, but we understand that, we, that they were, okay? And the scripture says about midnight. Sometimes it takes us to be in our darkest hour, in our most desperate moment, in order for us to give God the loudest praise that we can do. I mean, I've been in moments in my life where I'm like, God, I can't read another scripture. I've read and just everything is going wrong. It's getting hard. God, I'm attending church, but everything is going wrong. I just don't understand. I can't push through this. I've been in moments in my personal life where all I could do was just say, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you to come in. Jesus, I need you to intervene right now. Jesus, I need you to break these chains. I need you to break this addiction. Jesus, I need you to save my family, my friends. Jesus. But it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And they were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, that is important. It's important because the world knows your friends know, your family knows, your coworkers know, those uh, in your inner circle know how you react when things are going well. It's as almost as if they don't care how you, you are reacting or acting when things are going good. They're used to that sometimes. They're not worried about that. But when things aren't going well, it almost seems as if all eyes are on you. People are watching. They want to see how you're going to respond. Oh, you're a Christ follower, are you? We want to see what kind of language comes from your mouth. We want to see the attitude that you're going to demonstrate. We want to see the real you in the heat of the moment. Verse 26 goes on. Suddenly... There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all of the prison's doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You know, we come here every single Sunday morning or Wednesday or whatever other opportunity that these doors are open to us as a corporate way of worship. And I love it when we can come together as we did this morning and we were able to sing praises to, to our God. 
And we were able to worship him, allowing his Holy Spirit to move amongst our lives. I find it interesting that there are times where we don't always feel like doing that, though. I mean, I, let's face it. There's times when even I come into this service that I just don't want to praise right now. I, I want to sit and sulk in my unfortunate behavior. I want to sit and sulk in my own problems. There's times, and, and some of you are looking at me like, what? Come on now, you know you've been there. Let's be real for a moment. You have been there right where I'm talking, right where I'm about to take you to. You have come into the house of God at times and, and you didn't feel like giving that praise and that worship. But it's almost remarkable that you make yourself at times. Where you go, you know what, I don't, I don't feel like it, but I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand here. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to sing praises to God. Because I believe when we begin to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, when we begin to sing hymns to him, and we give worship to him, that that is when the chains and the heaviness begins to fall off of us. Have you ever seen somebody come into the house of God who seemed like they lost their best friend? Maybe they lost their husband or their wife or they lost somebody personal to them walking in through the house. And they want nothing to do with church. But by the time the service was over, that hardened heart was soft again. And tears were rolling down their face. That's what a corporate worship can do. That is why it's so important for us to praise and to worship this God that we serve. It's interesting, verse 20, excuse me, 27 says, The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, can you imagine his thought? Stop right there for a moment. Can you imagine the thought that came across this jailer's mind when the prison doors were open? His one and only job. It's midnight. Everybody's supposed to be asleep. All he had to do was sit back and play solitaire on his iPhone. That's it. His tablet, stone, <laughs> all right. All his job was was just to sit there and maintain, just maintain. But all of a sudden, we'll continue, the jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now, what's amazing about that, it says that, in verse 29, the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? A couple things here I want to point out. First of all, there was no altar call. There was no altar call in this moment. There was no three to four songs being sung, a time of announcements, a time of offering. There was no message that was brought. And then there was no conviction from the pastor. He was giving it to you as hard as he could to draw you to the altar. There was none of that. All there was was two guys in a really bad, sticky situation. We don't know the timeline from the time they were put into the prison to the time that midnight hour came. All we know is that in the darkest moment, 
They didn't sulk with one another as they could have and, how, and as how easy it is for us to do with one another. I mean, think about that. When you're going through it, what do you want to do? And the, the last thing sometimes, sometimes you want to do is actually pray about it and give it to God. You want to go to your neighbor. You want to go to your best friend. You want to go to your social media account. You want to go to whoever and you want to begin to sulk about what you're going through. Well, these two individuals did not do that. They didn't look at the other prisoners and say, you know what, we're here and it does, we, should, we should be free men. They didn't look at one another and go, I can see, I can see Silas going, Paul, it's your fault. No, that did not happen. Or Paul looking at Silas and saying, you know what, this is your fault. That did not, they did not push blame. All they did was, is we know that we serve a faithful God who can take us through any storm, any trial, and any difficulty. And they gave 100% in that moment. The Bible tells us they begin to sing and give praise to God. Now, here you got the jailer. The man who is in charge to make sure that everyone just stays where they're supposed to be. He's the enemy in this moment. He's not the friend. He's not a family member. He was probably harsh. Rude, crude, whatever you can think of, that was probably him in that moment. But then all of a sudden it says that he fell to his feet. And he's, he's just asking, how? How can I be saved? In that moment, he experienced the power of God. You know, I, I think to myself, when I'm going through these difficulties and these struggles in life, and people are watching if I would take on the attitude of praise that I'm supposed to take on, I wonder what kind of witness and influence that I would be for other people. Rather than allowing my humanity to act and react according to how I want it to do. If I say, you know what, if I live by these scriptures, I'm going to practice these scriptures. I'm going to do what the word of God tells me and I'm going to place my faith and my trust in my God. You see, if I'm in the word and I'm in the scriptures, I'm going to see the problem coming before it gets there. And when the problem comes, I'm going to know that God's going to see me through. So I'm going to be able to get through this struggle. And the only way that I can get through the struggle is when I begin to praise and worship this all-knowing and this all-powerful and this all-sufficient God. And then when the attack comes again, I'm going to be just like Paul was. When the viper came and it bit him, the scripture says... He didn't, he didn't freak out over it. He shook it off and went on. Now, scriptures go on to say in verse 31, it says, they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. This, is, this guy is their enemy. How would you react in that moment? How, what would you have done? Would you have taken the attitude that some of you have taken on this week? Or last week? Or maybe even this morning? Would you have held the grudge? Would you have shamed him? Think about that. So they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. 
The very man who cared nothing about them, wanted no relationship with them, wanting to, nothing to do with them, all of a sudden now takes, him in, in, takes them into his own personal home and begins to wash his wounds and to take care of them. Isn't that just like God to change the heart of your enemy to almost become your servant? Mm. Praise is powerful. Psalm 34 says this, and I don't have that scripture in there, so I apologize, but it says, I will praise God at all times. You see, praise has to overcome your preference, or let me change it up. Praise has to overcome your feelings. We don't always feel like it, do we? Some of you came in here this morning and you just didn't feel like it. But after the first song, you're like, all right, whatever. After the second song, okay, I'm kind of getting out of my funk here, you know. After the third song, all right, now I'm getting into this presence. Now I'm getting into the realm. And then the fourth song, and holy, holy. Isn't it amazing how your attitude can change? When your praise isn't dictated by your preference or your feelings, but your praise is dictated by what Jesus Christ done for you by dying on that cross and saving you from all of sins, all of humanity's sins. Isn't it amazing? I'm, um, this morning as I was kind of briefly going back over some of these things, Actually, I'm not going to lie. I can't lie. I'm not supposed to lie, right? <laughs> That's, bad. That's bad. I'm a bishop now. I can't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Last night, I was uh, right before bed. I was, I was laying there, and I was going through the message in my mind, and I was just like, something's not quite, I'm not feeling this, you know? It's not, it's not meshing itself together. And, um, and, and, and just quickly, my prayers are pretty quick sometimes. I'm just like, God, help. <laughs> have you ever been in a it's de- God help it's Kevin it's desperate really needs you right now alright y'all can make fun of me that's okay I know you've been there and this story came to my mind and I said alright the first thing I'm getting to do in the morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to get right to it so morning came and I got up and I went right to it and I knew, I knew the story so I wasn't worried about it and I, I was reading it over it and I was like well how in the world am I going to mesh this thing in and uh, so th- this all happened within like 30 minutes time, okay? So I started reading the scripture, and it, it comes, and it's not in your stuff. It's not in your version, or it's not going to pop up here, but it's Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel's a prophet. And the man of God, and a, and a marvelous man of God, obviously he's in the Bible. <laughs> but in Ezekiel 47... An angel of the Lord was with him. And uh, it was kind of explaining the temple to him. Okay? And he was telling him there was a, a, a he was like on a riverbank. And the scripture says that the, uh, the angel of the Lord, or I'll quote it, it says the man, but it means the angel of the Lord, told him, he said, measure a thousand cubits out. And walk out to it. So Ezekiel does so. 
And he walks out to it, and he's submerged into the water, an ankle deep. Then the scriptures go on to say that the man spoke to him again and said, we're going to measure another thousand cubits. So the scripture says he walks out another thousand cubits, and now it's up to his knees. He's in water. And then it goes on to say they measure another thousand cubits. So they walk out. And now they're submerged into the water up to their waist. And then it says, measure another thousand cubits. See, it's weird. God has a process sometimes to take us, doesn't he? It's like he doesn't just want to dump us right into the blessing right away. It's like we got to earn. We got to go through things to learn things. We got to show trust and we got to show faith. So here we go. He says, Measure out another thousand cubits. So he measures out another thousand cubits. And this time he's fully submerged to the point where he's in the depth and to the, to the most deepest spot of the river to where it's over his head and he can't get into it. And he, the angel of the Lord takes him back onto the land and then they, they walk down to where the Dead Sea is. This river is emptying out into the Dead Sea. This is what's so amazing. You need to pay attention right here. This water is fresh. Okay, understand that. This water that he is in is fresh. It's clean. There's fish in it. All right. There's trees along the riverbanks because that's feeding off of this water. But when you're at the Dead Sea, there's no trees. There's nothing around it. There's no living creatures in it because it's full of salt. It's, it's not, it's, it can't be inhabited. So the scripture tells us that the angel of the Lord took him and he took him down to the riverbank. And as they're walking, they're passing the trees. And the scripture mentions this, Okay. And they get down to where the, the river dumps into the Dead Sea. And in that segment where the river dumps into the Dead Sea, that river purifies that portion of the Dead Sea to where it's the only spot where there's living creatures of all kinds of fish, all kinds of, of, of just whatever, you know, great greatness, all right? It's clean. It's working. There's life. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, what does this have to do with praise? Not quite following. And the thought came to mind. Sometimes we don't feel like praising, do we? And we make ourselves. And we go, okay, God, I'm going to measure a thou, thousand cubits. And I'm going to allow myself to get into the ankle deep water where it's fresh. And then when I'm in that, and God's spirit begins to move. And to work in my, in my heart, in my soul, in my mind. When I'm going through my difficulties and my problems, and I don't want to praise God. Because God, this is unfair what I'm going through. I didn't ask for this, God. I didn't want this struggle. This wasn't part of the plan that I had for my life, Lord. But I'm going to make myself in this moment begin to praise you. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. But I'm going to do it anyway. And then I get to that ankle deep water and I go, it's refreshing. I feel something more positive here. So you know what, God? Let's measure another thousand cubits. The difficulty is still there. The struggle is still there. The hard time hasn't left. But now my praise has increased. And God, I'm beginning to see the fruit. I'm beginning to see what you're doing. 
And then when I'm in that, I go, okay, God, I'm going to measure out another thousand cubits. And I go, the struggle's still there. It's still real. It's still happening. But you know what? Now I'm, I'm up to my waist into the fresh water, into the most pure of God there is. I'm there. I'm singing praises to his name. I'm glorifying him. I don't understand why everything's happening. I don't understand why the struggle is still so very real. You know what? The hurt is still there. But God, I'm beginning to see that there's a difference happening. And then I say, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to step out a little bit further. And now I'm fully submerged. And it doesn't matter what the problem is any longer. I've overlooked the problem because I've seen it coming. I'm seeing it through. And now I'm beginning to shake it off. And that's when God takes me out of that water. And he walks me along that bank. And I see those trees and those plants of living from, that's being fed from that river. And then he shows me that Dead Sea, which was my life. But there's a segment now that has been purified because I've allowed praise to come from my lips and my spirit. And God has then begun to move. You see, there is power when you begin to praise God. Ephesians 3 and 20 tells us this. If you go up to the scripture, please. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God can do immeasurably more in your life than you could ever do for your life. I want you to stand with me this morning. Do you not think that Paul and Silas didn't get that? In that moment, do you not realize that Paul and Silas, what I just explained, began to live it and they understood it? You know, it says about midnight is when things began to happen. But I can't help but to think that there was a time before that midnight hour struck that maybe they didn't want to give that praise and that honor and that glory to God. They didn't feel like doing it in that moment. But that they started. They started beginning to praise in him. They started to begin to worshiping him. And as the hour increased, so did that praise. So did that worship. And as their worship increased, God began to show himself and reveal himself more and more. You know, I think God is our greatest cheerleader in life. I don't believe that God looks at us and goes, well, <laughs> I've seen them do that a hundred times. And they always go back to the same way they were. I don't think God sits in heaven on his throne and crosses his arms. And because the judgmental moment and condemns us for our acts when we're in that moment of praise. I don't think God does that. You know what I think God does? Come on. Come on, Warren. Don't give up. Keep pushing. It's not done. 
Gordon, I think God sits up in heaven when you're going through that and you begin to make yourself. He's looking at you and he's saying, come on, Gordon. We're almost there. You're almost there. I think of the woman with the issue of blood. And the crowd was all around. Her problem was real. Physically, she did not feel like doing anything. But spiritually, she knew greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And all she needed to do was to get through that crowd little by little. She began to work her way through until she came and touched the hem of his garment. I can't help but to think that God was saying, come on, woman, you're there. You're so, don't give up now. Keep pushing forward. Keep going after it. Your answer is right before you. You know, some of you in your life, God is your biggest cheerleader. I promise you, he's looking at your life. You're in here this morning and you don't feel like being here, but he's saying, don't stop. Don't let your feelings dictate your praise, your worship, your future. Press on, go beyond this, go further. Let's get into his holiness. Let's go after what he wants for your life. God is amazing. So Paul and Silas are in this moment and they kept pushing and pushing. And I can see God in heaven going, come on, Paul, come on, Silas, don't. Don't allow those negative thoughts to come through your mouth. Don't start blaming one another. Don't start blaming other people for the situation. Let's move forward. Let's press on. And so I, I can just imagine during the time as, as when the worship began, that for Paul and Silas, it began to increase. Maybe it was a whisper. Maybe it become a, a, a groan. Maybe it went to a, an audible worship through words. Then it hits a song. Then it hits an outward expression where hands might have been lifted high, not caring who was around, not caring about the circumstance that they were neck deep in. All they cared about was great is my God. I will praise him in this storm. He has never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's never lifted his hand off of my life. But instead, they just continue to push forward and push forward. And we know what happened, that the great earthquake came. I can just imagine in heaven, the angels were like watching this and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I can imagine Paul and Silas's thoughts during this time. They're like, wow, this works. <laughs> Some of you need that, wow, this works moment for your life where God is saying, you know what? Your, your problem isn't that big. I'll handle it, I will take care of it. But what I need you to do is praise me. What I need you to do is worship me. Your problem is nothing. I don't care if it's a marital problem, a financial problem, a career problem. I don't care if it's a child problem, friendship problem. I don't care if your reputation has been drugged through the mud. Nothing is impossible for God to overcome in your life. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. See, I didn't explain this, so let me hurry up and do that right quick. A problem called praise, because your praise 
is a problem for your problem. Did you catch that? I missed that. That was the first sentence I was supposed to say that. Your praise is a problem for your problem. So this morning, as one of your pastors, I'm going to ask you to step out from where you're at. I want you to push in to this altar as deep as you can get. If you've got to go into the aisles, that's fine. Begin to move right now. Push out, because here's what you're going to do. You're going to praise. You're going to worship God. And you're going to begin to, guys, see this struggle. There's power in the name of Jesus. What your future holds. But this I promise you. I know who holds your future. (laughs) Think about that. I don't know what struggles you're going to come against this week or but you leave this place today. But I know who the answer is. And that answer is Jesus Christ. He's the way maker, right? Think about that. You know, the psalmist David in Psalm 23 says, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Keep walking. Keep walking. Don't allow fear to overcome you and to distract you. Keep moving forward. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for your spirit that we felt and how you've moved in this place. We thank you for your message, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the lives that have been changed today. We glorify your holy name. Lord, as we leave this place, we ask that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. Love you. Oh, there is power.